Okay, welcome to Bitcoin Veterans. Uh, this is where I read through Bitcoin Tech Talk, the newsletter. It is available at jimmysong.substack.com and it gets emailed to your inbox every Monday at 9 a.m. Central Time. And I uh, recap all of the news. This is the read through version. Uh, so for those of you that don't necessarily like to read emails, I just read it through for you. So. We have investment under a Bitcoin standard, Bitcoin Tech Talk number 237. The current system of investment is strange. Stocks with no profits for years soar to crazy heights. Bonds that return negative yields go up in value. There are lots of VCs who put in lots of money to lots of startups, hoping for returns in seven to 10 years. Startups are often unprofitable for most, if not all of that time, and are all in on market capture. It's considered stupid to earn profits and reinvest into the business. To grow such companies is what's considered wise. Bitcoin, big companies also don't like keeping cash on their balance sheet and instead buy competitors or their own stock. Debt is looked upon as a good thing, especially if the interest rate is low. The current state of affairs is the result of bad incentives. There's a lot of money being invested because fiat money is such a terrible savings vehicle. Investments are supposed to have risk and that risk comes with a proportional reward. However, because fiat money has infected nearly every investment category, each vehicle has been de-risked through central bank machinations. Thus, the rewards are also proportionally reduced. We're at a point where the search for yield has led to riskier and riskier investments becoming more and more mainstream. As previously risky investments become more mainstream, governments regulate ostensibly to keep those investments safe. Central banks follow by de-risking them. This started with cash savings, then bonds, then stocks. Now even hedge funds get central bank intervention on their behalf, as we saw with the repo bailouts. Bitcoin, of course, has thrown a big wrench into this model because there's an asset that's outside of the control of central banks and governments. As a result, we have a volatile asset that's got correspondingly fantastic yield, leading to more and more people allocating more and more of their portfolios into it. As Bitcoin takes over the portfolios of so many, either through natural growth or some form of hyper-Bitcoinization, it's worth asking, what would a Bitcoin standard investment environment look like? Here are just three thoughts about this environment. First, much of what we see today would be considered uninvestable. There's no way anyone buys any government or corporate bonds that pay in fiat money. They simply don't provide enough yield being denominated in fiat versus Bitcoin. Any bond or debt offering would have to be denominated in Bitcoin to make investment worthwhile. And there can be no de-risking as no central bank can print Bitcoin to bail anyone out. Neither would anyone buy companies that aren't profitable as new money won't be so easy to get. Companies will be riskier, especially with the possible possibility of bankruptcy, which will occur more often given that debt will have to be denominated in Bitcoin. VCs would likely not be able to beat Bitcoin, and thus the industry will likely be much smaller. 
Second, companies would not be focused on growth, but on profit. Instead of the unnatural loss-leading hypergrowth seen in many industries today, there would be organic profit-based growth as equity is not going to raise nearly as much money. There's not going to be a constant stream of central bank money printing, which caused the equity to be so expensive. Profitable companies will have sane profit-to-earnings multiples, and earnings will probably get paid out rather than used to grow faster. Profits cannot simply be pushed out to later, as delaying profit now will have serious costs given the natural appreciation of Bitcoin. Third, there will be a lot more entrepreneurs. Companies will be smaller than they are now as giant companies will no longer benefit from government largesse. Smaller companies will be far more nimble on a Bitcoin and on a Bitcoin standard will have a level playing field to compete. As such, there will be fewer gigantic company, public companies and far more savings in the marketplace. Each person with savings will look specifically for immediately profitable opportunities instead of giant scalable value capture ideas that dominate VC portfolios. Such opportunities will naturally lead to more companies being formed to take advantage of such opportunities on a consistent basis. Overall, these are all good things for society as there will be a greater number and, uh, and variety of goods and services in the marketplace. Bitcoin, in other words, will produce real civilization growth. So I, uh, I wrote this after some conversations I had at the Texas A&M Bitcoin conference uh, where we were talking about what investment looks like because basically... Bitcoin is crushing absolutely everything. Um, we're, we're getting 200% annual returns in dollar terms. Um, but, you know, like as adoption grows, I, I don't think we're really going to see anything that, uh, that, com that can compete easily against Bitcoin. On a Bitcoin standard, you're, you're, going, you're therefore going to have a real focus on profit in Bitcoin terms. Um, and that means that, uh, you know, you can't just, uh, you know, pour money into something for seven to 10 years, uh, hoping that it'll produce a profit later. Um, right now, we have these games where, you know, 90% of startups just like fail having spent a ton of VC money or something like that. But instead, you'll get smaller companies, but mo many more of them will be profitable right away, uh, which will ultimately result in better products and services, because if they're profitable, that means they're wanted by the market uh, by definition. All right, let's talk about Bitcoin. Taproot Speedy Trial has been merged. Luke Dash Jr. has rejected this as it doesn't have lock-in on timeout equals true, and he, along with other opponents, have released their own lock-in on timeout equals true client. This shouldn't cause any trouble unless the miners decide not to signal for Taproot. Given that they've committed to do so, this split in clients is not likely to have any consequences. We're, on, we're still on track for about a November 15th activation of Taproot. Um, so it got merged into uh, Core, and they will probably be doing a point release fairly soon. And miners uh, who want to signal can download the client um, before the actual activation period starts, which I believe starts April 30th which means that the first difficulty adjustment period where we'll be counting um, uh, 
essentially blocks that are signaling will start there and it takes about two weeks so may 14th ish will be when it uh you know when the first uh period will close and that that could mean that a taproot locks in at that point so six months from that point is when it would actually be on the network which would be around november 15th so may may 15th november 15th that seems to be the timeline for our taproot at this point Casa supports multi-sig sub-accounts. This is a completely common feature in single-sig wallets, but it's tricky to do with multi-sig. They seem to have figured out a solution, and this is a welcome feature, especially for families with multiple members who may have the same multi-sig key setup. I hope other multi-sig setups such as Caravan and Spectre add this feature. Yeah. Um, having accounts is really, really useful. Unfortunately, the account field is um, not really used in the multi-sig stuff uh, that well. So I think, uh, you know, Casa is sort of leading the charge here, and I hope that other uh, multi-sig products add it as well. Jeremy Rubin has released Sapio, which is a smart contract creation tool using object template verify. The tool is very well documented and is meant to show the benefits of the feature he's been wanting for years now. I commend Jeremy for persevering and creating this tool. He's really trying to get developer consensus on this opcode and whatever you may think of it, he's definitely put in the work and deserves a thorough evaluation of his proposal. So um, Jeremy has wanted Opchamp template verify. It's a way to do covenants. Covenants are essentially a way to um, send Bitcoin to somebody, but put some conditions on it, uh, such as uh, you can only spend it to one of these addresses or something to that effect. And it's a little more general than that. Um, and he, he's been wanting something like this in Bitcoin for a while. There are ways to do covenants that are a little bit more odd um, that Brian Bishop, for example, has uh, explored for his company um, in Wyoming. Uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's an interesting proposal. It, it does have some controversy around it for not being general enough, uh, whether this is really a use case that people would use. But Jeremy's definitely put in a lot of work, and I, uh, I, I think Sapio looks fantastic, um, and you should definitely play with it as a Bitcoin developer if you're at all interested in covenants. Lightning, LN Markets newsletter talks about Omnibolt, essentially Omni, the protocol which used to be called Mastercoin, which was a protocol on top of Bitcoin, is now doing something similar in Lightning. Much like RGB, this allows for tokens to be issued on top of Lightning. Uh, they are most famous for being the platform which originally issued USBDT or Tether. And they seem to want to issue similar assets on Lightning. I'm not really a fan of how they did the Bitcoin-based asset, but we'll be watching to see if this catches on. So uh, I can imagine this being sort of like instant tether settlement network uh, that they want to do some uh, something similar on Lightning. Um, and uh, and tether is very popular, and it is the biggest stablecoin. So. Um, this this could mean you know you you have atomic swaps within Lightning, uh, which uh, which would be pretty sweet. You can you can do really very decentralized trading just using your channels and uh, you know going from 
you know, tether to Bitcoin and Bitcoin to tether and back and forth whenever you want. Um, that 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 could be a welcome thing. Um, now, like getting tether and then getting it to dollars can be a little tricky. Um, but, you know, th this could be an interesting thing uh, in the future. The economics of routing are covered in an excellent article by Lightning Chronicles. The post is thorough and covers liquidity, rebalancing, and channel management, among other things, and is an excellent read on what it takes to create a routing node to make money. Too long didn't read. There's a lot of different considerations and things to learn to run a good lightning routing node. Um, now, th this may be a good way to sort of generate income if you are running a routing node and you certainly need a lot of those on the lightning network for it to function smoothly. Um, but the article was kind of eye-opening just how much of the management you have to do. Um, certainly, they're trying to automate a lot of it, but those tools don't really exist yet. So for consumer level, um, you know, routing, uh, nodes are not something that people uh, really should be doing. Um, you know, if you are a developer like Alex Bowsworth or somebody, then this this might make sense. Economics, engineering, etc. Bitcoin had a big drop because of the hash rate slowdown. Apparently, there are rolling blackouts in in the part of China where the energy is really cheap. I suspect that a lot of these miners will be moving their operations soon, and the hash rate will be back. But incidents like this will only hurt the energy producer as they will lose to other jurisdictions and producers that don't have random outages like this. Um, this is uh, the part of China with a lot of hydroelectric dams, but not many consumers of that electricity. So miners tend to go there because the electricity is especially cheap. But of course, you have random risks like this where you get uh, rolling blackouts as um, you know uh, the government is testing the infrastructure in some weird way. Um, and for the people that own these this mounting equipment, time that's not spent hashing is money lost. So I suspect that if this sort of thing continues, they'll go and move to another jurisdiction that is more favorable. Nick Carter gives the New York Times a well-deserved fisking over the horribly researched article on Bitcoin and energy. As usual, the mainstream media journalists didn't really do much research and made questionable claims. Nick identified 10 outright falsehoods and provided evidence for their falseness. I commend his work, but to some degree, I don't think the people who get their Bitcoin information from the New York Times really deserve to get into it. Honestly, like, uh, you know, the, these, um, these media companies that put out these hit pieces, they're, they're really trying to, um, you know, influence their audience. But to some degree, the audience knows what to believe um, already. Uh, you know, they, they tend to think that Bitcoin is bad for this or that. Um, and really, the New York Times is um, justification for what they already want to believe. So I don't know. I, I, I don't see this particular fisking as having much of an impact, though. It's, uh, you know, got chock full of very good information for uh, anyone that's interested. Annika Research has published the simulation of mining profitability. Similarly, Galaxy Digital has an informative article on mining economics. Learning the economics can be a good way to learn about why most people shouldn't be mining. I'm still amazed at the number of people that immediately think about mining when they learn about Bitcoin. 
these two articles can be a good help in pushing them down the right path to Bitcoin enlightenment. So th this is one of the first things that people tend to do when they get into Bitcoin is they immediately think, oh, how can I get into mining? Um, mining is a very low margin business. And, uh, it, and you can go and take a look at these articles to see just how much management uh, that you need to do in order for that little bit of juice. So, um, yeah, generally buying and holding Bitcoin tends to be better. Um, I, I think both of those are very informative in terms of getting into that business. Turkey is banning Bitcoin payments. Unlike China's ban of exchanges, this seems motivated by their high inflation rate. Turkey is an interesting area for this to happen, given that they span two continents. The development of alternative markets in Turkey will be interesting to watch. Uh, so I did talk to Tone about this a little earlier today, as he is currently in Turkey. <clears throat> I believe that um, the banning of Bitcoin payments in Turkey uh, is motivated by their inflation rate. They're trying to blame Bitcoin um, in some way, I guess, by doing this or trying to uh, add capital controls uh, to their currency. I don't think it'll be very effective. Um, and I think pretty much everyone knows it. Dylan LeClaire writes how Jim Cramer doesn't get Bitcoin. Cramer, of course, sold 50% of his uh, Bitcoin position. This is a common first mistake for new Bitcoiners who want to take profits thinking that the price increases aren't real. Similar people in the past got in at $1 and sold for four, got in at $50 and sold for 200, and sometimes bought in at $1,000 and sold at 300. Kramer is at heart a trader that isn't good at trading. So for me, this is an excellent signal that the top isn't in yet. Um, of course, I wrote this uh, before the big drop uh, you know, that happened in, uh, in the last couple of days, but that's it. Yeah, you know, I, I I stand by my statement. He's he he really doesn't get it, and I think he could be a decent counter indicator. Um, one full uh, one Ethereum full node implementation fell out of consensus with the others, given that there's so few nodes running. It's crazy that even those few can't seem to stay in sync from a coding perspective. I expect a bigger event that halts the network sometime in the future. Ethereum is a giant. Um, garbage dump uh, on fire. Um, so, you know, they, they continue to, you know, have problems because they try to change things way too quickly and don't seem to understand that, you know, it's, it's supposed to be a network, uh, which is why they have fewer and fewer nodes and, you know, uh, crazier, crazier um, uh, requirements in order to run them. All right, some events. Uh, later this week, I'll be speaking at the Culture Summit to talk to church leaders about Bitcoin. I'm also going to be at Bitcoin 2021, June 4th and 5th. My programming blockchain seminar is next happening on June 1st and 2nd in Miami, and then August 10th and 11th in Mexico. And that's a two-day seminar for programmers to learn about Bitcoin, and you can apply there. Um, on the programmingbitcoin.com website. And I also have some scholarships to give away for uh, technical people that uh, can't afford it. I have a Sphinx chat group where this will be posted um, if, if you already have an invite. Um, and I talked to Away Slice about food. He, uh, and, you know, he, of course, uh, held the beefsteak event here in Austin uh, a few days ago. It was really good. He made lots and lots of steak for lots of people. I was absolutely chock full by the end. Um, and he'll be doing something similar in Miami on June 2nd. So 
be sure to look out for that. I also, uh, you know, uh, was on Tone Show a couple times, and um, yeah, you can go look at those on YouTube. All right, so that does it for this episode of Bitcoin Tech Talk number 234, uh, Investment Under a Bitcoin Standard. Hope you enjoyed it. Fiat the Lenda S. This song is done.